the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Now at 8 minutes past 10 o'clock, thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday. It's the fifth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Coming up in about a half an hour, you do recognize we are just six days away from uh, yet another anniversary, the 18th anniversary of the horrific 9-11 terror attacks. It has been something that I've been on the air every year uh, since then, and um, every year on that date, I do a special commemorative program, and uh, there are also great special commemorative events going on all around the country the Patriots are uh, involved in, and one of those is the Tunnel to Towers event that happens in New York City, uh, commemorating the amazing journey of a true American hero to try to help save lives that day, and it was also repeated, that Tunnel to Towers um uh, event is repeated in various cities around the country, including one here in Medina. And Chris DeRico has been involved with that for a long time. The Stephen Siller uh, organization or foundation, he was the heroic uh, uh, firefighter who tried to save lives that day. They uh, they raise money and continue to raise money to uh, build houses for specifically for wounded Americans who are um, uh, American uh, uh, veterans, I should say, who have special needs uh, for their homes, etc. And uh, it's a great event, and it's coming up very quickly. Of course, Chris Rico will join me in about a half an hour to talk more about that event in Medina and maybe how you can be a part of it. Uh, other than that, we are open for the next 20 minutes or so until the bottom of the hour, 216 although I do have a local story that I need to follow up on with you after we take a few of your calls. David is in LaGrange being very patient with us. I appreciate that, sir. Go ahead. You're on the air. Okay, Bob. A lot of these candidates, Democrat candidates, own large houses. Some of them own multiple houses. If I was able to ask the question last night, I would have pointed this out. Also would have brought up how much electricity and gas it takes to maintain these large houses. 
And I would ask them, in order to save the climate, would you be willing to give everything up today? Well, no, 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 David. You, no, no, they wouldn't do that. No, you have to sacrifice, not them. Bernie Sanders owns three homes, three luxurious homes, uh, you know, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars each into the millions. Don't ask him to compromise his lavish lifestyle so that he can promote socialism as president of the United States, so he can promote fairness and equality and equity for all when it comes to earnings. But don't expect him to give up his own personal uh, luxurious lifestyle. No, it doesn't work that way. Nancy Pelosi, do you know the kind of palatial estate she lives in? They're not going to, no, you don't, you don't, they don't, you got to understand, um, what is right for thee is not right for me. Uh, that's their mantra. This is, this is, this is not how it works. How dare you ask them such leading questions? And you also asked about, you know, what are we going to go to, the horse and buggy and use horses to plow our field? That'd yeah. be out of the question because horses, you know, they, they produce gas when they fart. So that's out of the question. Just forget about it. Yeah, it's funny because I, I, they always talk about the car flatulence, or car, excuse me, cow flatulence, uh, being such a big problem with the environment, the methane that they emit into the air. They never talk about the horses though. And I think there's a reason why, because again, they're going to have to take us back to those days. That's how, that's going to be our primary mode of transportation once they eliminate the internal combustion engine and thus cars and, uh, and, and trucks and other uh, vehicles. Uh, David, it's, you know, it's, uh, and, you know, we sit here and we joke about it, but it's not really a joke. I want I want them to answer the question. I want the Obamas, for example. You know, the Obamas went into the White House when uh, when they took office, and it kind of was a shared presidency. They went in with a net worth, I think I read somewhere, of around $400,000. Eight years after uh, uh, being in office, uh, and now a couple of years uh, being out, they're worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, and, uh, what is the number? Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to misstate it. I saw the number, but they're worth, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars. How does that happen? How does one enrich themselves that much, uh, by being president? Unless something very, very untoward is going on because uh, it doesn't work that way. But I would like them to take their, what did they just buy? Okay. I'm kind of stumbling onto this now because, um, of the question David just asked that I was not, uh, ready for, but, um, didn't the Obamas just buy a massive portion of uh, of um, Martha's Vineyard? Uh, it, it, maybe it's just a house. Maybe this part. I, I remember seeing the story. I didn't follow up on it because it's one of those things where it just doesn't matter to me. Until now, until situations like this where the caller brings up, will these liberal Democrats who are all screaming for all of us to sacrifice so much in the name of climate change, will they sacrifice what they have? There are multiple homes, and I think yeah. Here, here's the story from TMZ: Barack and Michelle Obama are buying a mega mansion in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, it's it doesn't have the worth of it. I think they. I think I saw the worth of it. All I know is it's twenty nine beachfront acres. So it is a portion of Martha's Vineyard. I kind of I said that jokingly, but it really is. The property was listed. At $14.8 million, 29 acres, the main residence is just shy of 6,900 square feet, seven bedrooms, pool, fireplace, outdoors and in, 
chef's kitchen, vaulted ceilings, two guest wings, yada, yada, yada. Um, the, and this is this is just going to be their, their beach house. They're not going to live in it 24-7. They already, already have their place uh, in suburban D.C. This is just their, their other house. How much carbon does this 7,000-square-foot monstrosity emit in order to be run? That's a very good question. I would ask every single one of these demon rats, including past presidents and those who want to become president, what they're willing to sacrifice. And let me say this, too. Hollywood celebrities, and I wish I had the list in front of me, Hollywood celebrities are also continuing to congregate, and they're meeting in various exotic, expensive, high-carbon outputting locales um, to discuss climate change as well with elected officials. And virtually every last one of them is traveling to the meetings via private jet. They're all wealthy enough to have their own planes. And rather than flying coach in mass transit with other people, they are going to pump Lord knows how much carbon into the atmosphere with their own private jets. Then showing up and saying, Americans need to sacrifice in the name of carbon reduction and climate change, and then they hop onto their fly, uh, private jets and fly back to their private mansions with their own 7,000 square feet of carbon-emitting uh, 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 space, telling us once again what we are doing wrong. <laughs> Erica is in, uh, is in Illyria. Excuse me, Erica, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead. I'd like to make the argument, um, what's worse, cows farting? Or if we all became vegetarians and we would have to have a lot more fruits and vegetables being made, so there would be a lot more fertilizer, a lot more pesticides, and a lot more Roundup that all goes into the soil and eventually in our drinking water. Very, very interesting question. There are a lot of unintended consequences that they're not going to address. Not going to address. What about those things? That is a great point. And by the way, I would also venture this. I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a veterinarian. I think you have to be one of the above or all of the above to understand the science behind this question. But what's the difference between cow flatulence and human flatulence? There's 7 billion people on the planet, for crying out loud. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I would have to imagine that most of us are are uh, polluting just as much as the cows do, unless there's something about you know the methane that they produce compared to what we produce. And I'll tell you this: um, it affects me a lot more after Taco Bell's bean burritos than it does after Long uh, uh, Longhorn's uh, T-bone steak. Ten seventeen. Back after this. France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1022, now the Bob France Authority, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to ask you to hold for me for a moment or two if you are online, on the phone lines. Because I need to give you an update to the story that I told you about late last week. Um, I told you the story about Mayor Frank Jackson and his grandson. And the, um, let's just say, 
unfair mayoral influence that led to the way his grandson was treated when police officers converged on his home, including homicide detectives, after a shooting earlier that day, this past Friday. Um, left a man dead, and his car was reported to be at the scene. Uh, police came to the Frank Jackson residence when they found out that the car belonged to Frank Jackson's grandson, and they wanted to take him in for questioning. The mayor would not allow him to be taken in, saying, anything you want to ask him, you can ask him here, that's it. He will not be coming anywhere with you to the police officers investigating a murder. And that the mayor's, or excuse me, the grandson's personal attorney would make a statement the next day. Well, the local attorney did make a, t- make, make a statement, uh, essentially saying he didn't do it. That's it. He didn't do it. He wasn't part of the, uh, the murder. He was just there. He just happened to be parked near there, and he's not going to be a suspect in this case. That's it. Okay, that's super. Nice statement. Uh, I think I'll wait to see what the results of the investigation from the homicide detectives are before I'll take you at your word. But, okay, nice statement. That's fa- Now let's fast forward to the story from uh, Tuesday. Cleveland prosecutor declined to charge Mayor Frank Jackson's grandson in beating of woman witnessed by others. A veteran Cleveland City prosecutor declined to bring criminal charges against Mayor Frank Jackson's grandson after a woman accused him of choking her and hitting her several times with a metal truck hitch. Assistant City Prosecutor Eric Canast, who has worked in the City Prosecutor's Office for 18 years, declined to proceed with criminal charges despite two witnesses and the victim naming the grandson as the attacker. The case was never referred to the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office, despite the fact that it appeared to rise to the level of a felony. Assistant Cuyahoga County Prosecutor Teresa McKenna, who oversees felony cases, said her office never received the case. And she said referring this type of case to the Prosecutor's Office is routine, as they take cases similar to, uh, as the, and that they take cases similar to this one, quote, extremely seriously. There are some concerning factors in this case, McKenna said. Strangulation would be a huge uh, uh, would be a huge lethality indicator, along with running from police, that would make this a felony case. County Prosecutor Spokesman Ryan Midday said his office is quote currently reviewing the facts of this case. Mayor Frank Jackson Spokesman Dan Williams declined to comment. Cleveland Law Director Barbara uh, Loftonry, if I'm saying her name, I'm sorry, Langenry, who is appointed by Jackson and oversees the prosecutor's office, did not respond. To a voicemail seeking comment, this case is the latest in a growing list of incidents involving the mayor's relatives and friends. And I will add this, this I'm giving you a report now from Cleveland Plain Dealer, but I will add this, in which mayoral interference or influence clearly has been a factor. At least by my observation and in my opinion, the mayor getting in the way of law enforcement and the criminal justice system to protect his thuggish grandson or grandsons. The grandson in the beating case, Frank Hugh Jackson, 22, was arrested in a separate incident in May, later pleaded guilty to a case in a case where he was accused of driving a truck where passengers, where the passengers shot paintballs at other cars. Officers found two guns and two prescription painkillers in the truck. 
In June, the mayor's 16-year-old great-grandson was arrested and accused of driving a car carrying a passenger who fired several shots at Cleveland police officers. According to the police and prosecutors, that case is still pending. Then Wednesday last week, a car registered to Frank Jackson, as I mentioned, was spotted speeding away from outside a crime scene where a 30-year-old man was shot to death. A car matching the description of Frank Jackson's car was found torched two days later next to an abandoned building. Homicide detectives went to the mayor's home, towed Frank Q. Jackson's truck. So on and on and on it goes with these extraordinarily violent crimes and thuggish behavior of Mayor Frank Jackson's grandsons. And and at so many turns, he and his influence is stopping law enforcement from doing their jobs. How can a city prosecutor not refer to the county prosecutor a case in which a man has been identified by both the victim and two witnesses as being the attacker? Frank Q. Jackson stopped. Let, let me let me give you the, the, the details of this real quick, if I can. The beating in question in the most recent incident in which the city attorney declined to prosecute, the city prosecutor declined to, to bring charges, was on June 10th. Frank Q. Jackson was in a truck with four other people, including an 18-year-old woman parked at a gas station at East 40th and Quincy. The woman asked her friend to buy her something at the gas station. She left. Frank Jackson turned around and punched her in the face several times, according to police reports. He choked the woman, quote, profusely with both hands around her neck, according to police. The woman told police she suffers from asthma and felt like she was going to lose consciousness. The woman's 16-year-old friend told police she returned to the truck and found her gasping for breath while Frank Q. Jackson attacked her. The girl said she tried to intervene, but Jackson ordered her out of the truck. Frank Q. Jackson stopped and said he dropped both women off and the girl off at an apartment building. While driving to the apartment, he attacked the 18-year-old woman a second time. At the apartment, he dragged the 18-year-old woman out of the truck by her hair across the grass and onto the sidewalk, police reports say. Choked her again punched her in the face and body. He went back to the truck, grabbed a metal truck hitch, and struck her several times in the left knee with that. The 16-year-old girl told police he grabbed Jack, she'd grabbed Jackson and screamed for someone to call the police. Both the 18-year-old woman and the 16-year-old girl gave identical statements to the police. A 19-year-old who told police she witnessed it all at the apartment building gave a written statement to the officers. All said Frank Hugh Jackson was the attacker. Despite all of the information I just gave you from those police reports and eyewitnesses, the city prosecutor who works directly for and at the pleasure of the mayor refused to bring charges against him. How is this even remotely possible? The city of Cleveland is being run by a corrupt mayor who puts his family above the law on constant or excuse me, on, on, on multiple occasions, seemingly constantly covering for them. If they're riding uh, illegal dirt bikes and committing all kinds of uh, traffic violations, putting people on the roads in harm's way, spend $2 million taxpayer dollars to build them a dirt, tr- uh, dirt bike track to ride their bikes that will never, ever, ever be used. Because it's not about going around a track, it's about doing what they do. Riding in traffic and 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 performing dangerous stunts that put people in danger. Well, that was as of Tuesday, and I know I'm coming up on the news, but bear with me as I finish this, 
because of the media uh, publicity surrounding this refusal of the pathetic Cleveland City prosecutor uh, to refer to bring charges or refer this to the county prosecutor for potential charges. Because of that, it eventually did get turned over to the county. And here's the update from our friends at Fox 8 News in Cleveland. What happens at my house, my family, is, is really not for discussion or any of your business. Mayor Frank Jackson. I got I to I hit that real fast. And I know we're coming up on news. Bear with me, though. The mayor said what happens in my house and with my family is not public for public discussion. It is if they're committing crimes, Frank. It would be public discussion if a police officer's family was committing crimes, if another elected official's family was committing crimes. It is absolutely public information. Questions regarding his grandson's recent run-ins with the law. But when asked if he knew that Cleveland City prosecutors did not file charges this summer on his grandson, Frank Q. Jackson, for allegedly assaulting an 18-year-old woman, he stressed he just learned of the situation. When you did, what, did you take any action? Or what, what action was it for me to take? I don't interfere. Police, with You the- don't interfere? You wouldn't let police officers take him in for questioning after he was present at a homicide last week. You don't interfere. Cleveland Metropolitan Housing Authority took a report June 10th from a woman who alleged the mayor's grandson, Frank Q. Jackson, assaulted her while they were in his truck at a gas station on East 40th. These pictures provided to the I-team from CMHA show the woman's injuries. She said her 22-year-old boyfriend... But I'm going to stop it here because of my clock and i got to get to the news. But the bottom line is this. The mayor of the city of Cleveland is wants you to believe that his son, or grandson rather, was involved in this very violent attack, or at least was alleged to be. Police put, took this report that had three witnesses identifying him as the attacker. With all of this information, all of these photographs and everything else, that the city prosecutor took this information from police and didn't take it to him? He wants you to believe he was never made aware that this incident happened and that the prosecutor was declining charges against his grandson, that he was just in the dark about the whole thing. He just found out about it now like you and I did. Frank Jackson has got to go. He is a thug mayor raising thug grandkids who absolutely have no uh, have been placed above the law. If you live and and have the last name Jackson and you live with Frank Jackson, the laws don't apply to you. Something has to be done. We'll be back after the news. All right, 1038 now, the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. A couple of notes here before I go to my guest. Number one, <clears throat> a caller asked off the air, I'm told, and wanted to know where can I find that audio or video of the uh, uh, African-American Trump supporter uh, counter-protesting all of the anti-ICE people at Grand Central Station saying that, give me reparations. I don't want them. I didn't ask for them. Hold on. I don't want them. I didn't ask for them. But if you give them to me, I'm going to donate them directly to Trump 2020. That video, which you can hear here. I believe you call me a house. Maybe, if I can get this thing to play. Hold like on. white liberals are Democrats. They are the worst on this earth. A white liberal and a Democrat wants to control you. 
That's what they want to do. They are pathetic. If you a white liberal Democrat, pay me reparation because y'all said I deserve it. Not that I want it, but y'all said I deserve it, and I will immediately turn it over to the Trump campaign. Uh, it's on my Facebook page. If you are a Facebook user, find France Radio there, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and you will find that audio slash video so you can share it with whomever you like. That's number one. Number two, follow up to the uh, Frank Jackson story I didn't get to because of the bottom of the hour news is it eventually had been, because of the publicity involved, referred to the county prosecutor, and the county prosecutor presented this evidence to a grand jury, which came back with three indictments. Three indictments against Frank Jackson Jr. So the mayor's thuggish grandson is going to face charges here, despite the city attorney who worked directly for the mayor, his refusal to bring those charges. So that's the update there. And now I want to shift gears entirely, and I want to bring on my friend Chris DiRico. Uh, back to the program as promised. Chris DiRico is uh, one of the... Chris, you know, I don't even know if I ever got your title with uh, the uh, Stephen Siller Foundation, the Tunnel to Towers uh, Foundation. Chris DiRico, what is your title? You know, I'm Associate Race Director. Mark Phillips is the race director who's tied directly to the organization. He's also the uh, uh, um, somebody who, who participates with the organization nationally. So uh, Mark Phillips uh, he is uh, part of the uh, firefighting unit in Medina, and uh, was in New York City early on, and that's, uh, I think he was there for the first race in New York City, and brought it to Medina, so I've been assisting him. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, so, so, And thanks to Mark as well. So, Chris and Mark, as you just heard, uh, race director and assistant race director for the Steven Siller Tunnel to Towers Foundation 5K run and walk that's going to be held in Medina on September 8th. Now, um, Chris, you and I have been talking about this on the airways for airwaves for years. Ever since I first became aware of the Tunnel to Towers, I've just been uh, I've been fascinated by it. It's a story of courage it, it, uh, and, and, and Bob, heroism. Thank you, that, thank you for your thank you for your support. And actually, I think it uh, originated at the old radio station. So it did. It did. Radio stations together. So thank you. You are you are correct. It's been that long, and and no, I I, I ask for no thanks at all. I, I a little selfish here. I'll be honest with you. I I, I am fascinated by Stephen Siller's story, um, and and because we have talked about it for so many years on the air, Chris, you assume that all of the listeners know about it. I will not make that assumption. There are new people who are coming to listen to this radio show all the time, so I'm going to ask you to give us in as much depth as you like the Stephen Siller story uh, that that made all of this possible, uh, that led to this, obviously, this story of sacrifice and heroism on 9-11-2001. Well, thanks, Bob. You know, it it brings such a uh, commemoration to the to our run walk, and uh, we'll get, in, get into some of the things we do as far as uh, what we do with the run uh, to yeah. make it uh, so special. Uh, people, people get done with the run walk, and they say it's the best thing they've ever done as far as anything like that. But... Um, the story originates with Stephen, who uh, you know was a firefighter, was in Brooklyn at the time, and uh, was on the way on his way to play golf with his brothers. He had, uh, mm-hmm. I believe, four other brothers. Came from a large family of brothers, and was on his way to play golf, and uh, heard what was going on on his scanner in his car, and because of that, on nine eleven, uh, grabbed his gear out of his truck, I believe it was, and uh, put all of his gear on and started his trek from the uh, Brooklyn side and ran through what it was called at the time the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Uh, and uh, that tunnel was two miles long. Uh, he had to run through all the, the, the cars that were in the way, the exhaust fumes, everything that would keep him 
from you know getting through that tunnel um, was in his way, uh, ran for two miles with his gear on, of course, and then had another mile. And that gear, run. if I may, Chris, uh, that gear, yeah. I've heard it reported differently uh, from different firefighters, is anywhere, depending on who you are, between 60 and 100 pounds that you're putting onto yeah, I, your body to, to, to make this, this run that you're talking about here. I want people to know, know, pick up 60 to 100 pounds and then run with it for two miles and tell me how that works out for you. Go ahead, Chris. Right, right. And, you know, you're talking about the oxygen, oxygen tank. You're talking about your helmet. You're talking about any kind of uh, peripheral items you have, you know, as far as, you know, you, you, uh, anything you can use to fight the fire. And, um, right. again, I had to run, I had to run another mile once he got out, outside of the tunnel. And of course, that horrific sight of what he was running into. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about Steven is that his kids are like, you know, you and I, Steven would have been our age, Bob. And, uh, you know, his kids are now our kids' age. Um, he had five kids and he had everything to live for. Um, you, of course, he did. Um, as did so many who sacrificed on that day. Um, but if I may, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna demand a little bit more of you here. Um, you you talk about the two miles through the tunnel. You talk about the mile still to go once he emerged from the tunnel. Uh, again, carrying all of that gear, I cannot imagine the fatigue on the legs and the lungs. Um, but he didn't just get there and say, "Okay, I'm here. Uh, I- I'm going to be in a support role here. What can I do?" He didn't stop there, did he? No, no. As, as far as we know, you know, he died in the towers that day. Uh, the details beyond that are unknown. But uh, you know, he he did die in the towers that day. But he so charged into exactly. he charged. I mean, as you said, you know, as as he runs toward it, he like the rest of the world is watching uh, where those fires were raging, and he 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 knows he's not going to elevator up to them to try to save people's lives. So, like so many others, he took to the stairways and tried to climb to save lives after running three miles through the tunnel to the towers, hence the name Tunnel to Towers, then tried to climb the towers to save lives and um, and died in one of them, uh, like so many others when they collapsed. And uh, it's just a, it's a story. I mean, you know, again, I, I don't want to... I, I get moved by it every time we talk about it, Chris. Um, I, I just cannot imagine that level of dedication and self-sacrifice to other people and that's why his story now 18 years later lives on and people are trying to recreate the steps that he took on that day and and obviously in support of a very good cause and with that let's turn to the race now uh in medina the one of course the original that is is held in new york city tell us all about those so let me just just back up just a second and just talk about what frank uh you know steven's brother did that day or I'm okay. sorry, uh, following that day, is that this is the first year in New York City, they decided to have this retracing Stephen's footsteps. And so in New York City, they, they have a run that uh, takes place every year, and now they have, you know, 25,000 people who run in this run every year um, to, to follow Stephen's footsteps. The first year they did it, they had about 1,200 people, and they didn't know what to do with the funds. So what they did was they built a smart home for a veteran who came back from either Iraq or Afghanistan, but he was a Staten Island veteran. They built him a smart home. And that's how the Tunnel to Towers organization got involved with building smart homes for veterans. It was a, it was a Staten Island uh, local guy for them. And then that just exploded into the, the nation as far as building homes for veterans all over the country. Um, 
it, it's now actually morphed into uh, paying off the mortgages for uh, Gold Star families who lose who lose uh, loved ones overseas. They paid the mortgages off for the two police officers in Westerville last year um, that were shot on, in the line of duty. So they they do good work with what the funds you know with the funds that they do receive. Um, the run. Bob, you still there? Yep, I'm listening to you every step of okay, the way. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I might have somebody calling in on the phone. Uh, the, right. the the um, the run in Medina uh, again. You'll see firefighters who actually uh, will wear gear to represent uh, you know Stevens' cause. Uh, they'll they'll wear their turnout gear. Uh, police officers will. Uh, we have a, a very nice uh, beginning to the ceremony. We have the honor guard. We have uh, the national anthem. Uh, this year, our run walk. I should emphasize the walk portion of it as well. If people want to walk, uh, our our uh, route will go around the um, World Trade Center piece of steel that's in Medina. It's the memorial in Medina now. On your way to that memorial, you'll see the pictures of 343 firefighters that they'll be in the tree lawns. Um, so again, it is very commemorative and uh, very special. Uh, as far as a run walk, if you, if you want to have an educational process or, or or bring that home for your family, bring that bring that idea of nine eleven uh, to your family. We are talking to Chris DeRico, who is the assistant uh, race uh, manager, race manager or supervisor. I forgot that the, already. Uh, race director, yeah. Director, of course. I was wrong on both of them. It was director. Um, for the uh, Stephen Siller Tunnel to, Tunnel to Towers Foundation 5K run and walk, as he said, if you are not in the shape to run five miles, which I would not be, uh, you can walk it if you are able to be there. Now, it's coming up this Sunday, September 8th, obviously three days prior to the official anniversary, the 18th anniversary of the uh, terror attack um, on our country. Uh, how can people register to uh, to run or walk in this thing, uh, Chris? It is uh, tunnel to towers medina dot org, and um, you know registration is ongoing. It's ongoing all the way up to the to the uh, start of the run. If you do pre register and you want to pick up your uh, shirt and packet uh, at Medina Hospital, we have uh, registration pickup on Saturday all day at Medina Hospital. And then the uh, day of the run as well, we'll have registration and pickup at at the run at the square in Medina. Now, just to clarify, so the, uh, tunnel to towers, Medina. Is it the the number two or the word T O? It's actually it's actually T O and it's dot okay. org. Oh, dot org. Okay, good. Yeah. Got it. I want yeah, to make sure because because yeah. I think the official one. I'm looking at the official Stephen Siller uh, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, and they use the number two. So I wanted to clarify. They have tunnel the number two. Yeah. Towers dot org, but the Medina one is T O. So you can find that. I believe just, it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can just Google it too. Tunnel to Towers Medina, and you will uh, search engine it. I should say. I'm trying to get away from Google, um, and, and find that it's a it's a phenomenal, moving event. Um, it is something that I really, really hope people want to be a part of. I I just get chills and i get sad and i almost break down a little bit whenever i hear uh steven's story it is of all of the stories of sacrifice and there are so many that we don't even know um and many others that we do like steven's this is one of the very uh you know one of the most amazing things that i that i've heard from that day 18 years later that i just really really I'm proud to to uh, yeah. to publicize for you guys and let everybody know what he did and why you're doing and who benefits from it as well. The first responders and police officers and Gold Star families and so on and so forth who are uh, paying off you're paying off their mortgages. It's just such a wonderful thing all the way around. 
Yeah, it's really it's really a great opportunity to honor our military and first responders. And, and again, it, it is a run walk. Uh, people bring their dogs, uh, they bring their kids, the, the strollers. Uh, it is an event like no other as far as a, a run walk. And again, uh, when you do get closer to the memorial in, in Medina, you'll start seeing the on the tree lines. We'll have the uh, the firefighters' pictures. And and Bob, we talked about this last year. Everybody gets an individual placard, uh, a lanyard with oh, a picture right. of a firefighter. And uh, we've had people who have reached out to those uh, families and actually connect with those families in in, in New York City. Um, so it, it is very very uh, a moving way to uh, honor honor the people from nine eleven. It it really is, Chris. And by the way, you sound like a runner. You're you're my age, but I think you're probably in better shape. You sound like a runner, not a walker. Am I right? Uh, you know what? I, it, it's somewhere between a run and a walk. It's somewhere, it's somewhere in between. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you are a runner. I wanted to know what your best 5K time was in one of these. No, but... <laughs> no. It's, it, you don't want to go there. Between... <laughs> you know, we talked about this in the past, Bob. People finished before me, and they've got their gear on, and that's when I kind of just roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have brought that up. <laughs> they, they, they've, got, they've got their firefighting gear on, and they're finishing before me, and I'm just, okay, all right, I'm, I'm not doing too well then, so... If you are able to run it, if you are able to run it or walk it, uh, I encourage everyone to do that uh, in honor of Stephen Siller and every first responder who went to the towers that day and tried to save lives. And of course, now in benefit of first responders and Gold Star families who need your help now, please go to tunnel2towersmedina.org. And if you can be a part of this, please do so. Chris, thank you for making us aware of it. Thank uh, you, Bob. Each and every year. Thanks for your support over. Thanks for your support over the years. Yeah, Bob. Thanks for your support over the years. You got it. Very great. Very gracious of you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. God bless. Appreciate you, Chris. Thank you so much. That's Chris Rico from Tunnel to Towers Medina, tunnel2towersmedina.org. Back after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The answer. People say we don't need this war, but I say there's some things worth fighting for. What about our freedom? This piece of ground We didn't get to keep them By backing down All right, final uh, segment of the broadcast now. It's a short one as it's already 10.56. I, uh, I'm blown away by what they do at Tunnel to Towers, and I'm blown away every time I think about and hear about and read about Stephen's story, Stephen Siller and what he did. I cannot imagine. He drove that truck of his. He's on his way to play golf with his brothers. Hears about the attack, flips that truck around, drives to the entrance of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, it's already closed for security, so he cannot drive to the through the the tunnel. He gets his stuff out of the truck, straps on sixty to one hundred pounds of gear, and then runs through the tunnel on foot in and around cars that are all over the place. There, you can't imagine. It's not even a straight line. Two miles through the tunnel, then another mile from the exit of the tunnel to the Trade Center Plaza, and then into a building. And as far as he could go before the collapse. Uh, just simply amazing. If you can, uh, Tunnel to Towers, uh, Medina, Tunnel to Towers, Medina.org. Please uh, give that an opportunity. Somebody just asked me, speaking of uh, going uh, to great places, different kind of a thing here, but Liberty Lounge tonight, 
at Wagner's of Westlake. Somebody just called off the air, I'm told, and said, how do I get tickets for that again? To hear Dr. Everett Piper speak in person. Uh, he will be here this evening at Wagner's of Westlake with my friends at the American Trinity Project, Liberty Lounge, Keeping the Republic with Dr. Everett Piper. You can get tickets at americantrinityproject.org, americantrinityproject.org, uh, to go and see that uh, fantastic event tonight, which will be, again, moderated by my friend Tom Zawistowski. So uh, it'll be a great night uh, at uh, Wagner's of Westlake. And then speaking of tickets, <clears throat> I'm just, I can't get <clears throat> excuse me into any new topics with about a minute and a half to go here. So I'll just remind you to get tickets for America, uh, for, excuse me, for the War for America's Soul Tour, which is, again, coming up. It sounds like it's a long time away, right, November 21st? And it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. If you want tickets, VIP dinner table tickets with us, you're going to have to get them early because they are the first ones to go. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, Hugh Hewitt, Peter Kersenow, and yours truly. Each of us will be at a table prior to the actual stage event uh, at the Holiday Inn Rockside in Independence on November 21st. We will all be at our own table, and you can dine with us. But you've got to get your tickets for that now. They're going to go very, very fast. They're the first ones to go. General admission tickets, of course, and general VIP dinner tickets are available as well. Get those at whkradio.com, whkradio.com. That's going to do it. Thanks so much to Chris Rico again. Thanks to the great callers for a great conversation today. Hopefully you learned a little bit of something. I know I did. And we're back tomorrow with a free-for-all Friday edition of the Bob France Authority. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher, Gallagher is coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 